Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And we're here for our serious podcast, the one with no jokes, no smack talk, all good content. Yeah, and Pete, you say it like it's a, our boring podcast, and you know that's not true. I say it like I'm being stop. It. I'm being strapped down to a bench and not allowed to be Pete. Let Pete be Mitchell Pete. Behave. <laughs> Why don't you introduce our guest before we scare her off? Okay. Well, our guest today is Shelly Laith. Am I saying that right, Shelly? Yeah, it rhymes with teeth. Okay, I said it totally wrong. It was either Lay or Leith. So, uh, Shelly Leith, and she is the director of church relations for Zondervan. But more important, she's got something that uh, I know that you're going to want to hear about today. And it's something that's going to help your church plant uh, pretty much tell the story of the gospel to everybody who comes through your doors more effectively. So, Shelly, welcome on to the program. Well, thanks so much, and I hope I'm not part of the boring broadcast. <laughs> no, no. The the, the boring – see, we go wild on another one. But what's cool is you are the interesting part of this podcast. Oh, thank you. Okay, that's You're good. like the Jerry Lewis. Pete and I are like the Dean Martin, <laughs> which never happens on our other podcast. I think it's a bunch of Jerry Lewis's on our other podcast. Right. <laughs> well, one of the things we always like to ask when we start out with a, a guest is, if you could tell us your story of how you came to faith. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, my story is now we're back to the boring uh, guest. I became a Christian when I was three um, because of hearing in Sunday school that I was supposed to accept Jesus in my heart. And so I went home and kneeled by my bed and did so. Um, the rest of the story is is a little more interesting, which is one of, of um, God taking me from a place of relying on my spirituality for my identity and my achievement my achievements for my identity to a place where I learned who I am in Christ. Um, that took me until I was in my mid thirties to figure that out. But, um, uh, and that, and, uh, five kids later was part of the story as well. So I have five children and, um, uh, and the Lord used them in my life to help me to learn not to get my identity based on being a mom of so many kids, but uh, based on who I am in Christ. Mm. That is super, super cool. Um, man, that, that is such a, a hard lesson to learn. I think mm-hmm. even for our church planners, you know, for me personally, Shelly, I went through something like that where I could remember at a certain point I was sitting with a guy. You may know him. Um, I was sitting with a guy in uh, Colorado Springs. Why am I blanking out on his name? We've interviewed him more than anyone, and he's a Alan? good friend of mine. Alan? Uh, ginger-haired? <laughs> Alan? No, in... Uh, I hate when I do that. Alan Rails. Alan? No, uh, yeah, Alan Briggs. Thank you. Oh, okay. <laughs> it, it, as he always says to me, he says, Peyton, 
bringing sexy back. So, hey, I'll take it, Alan. That works for me. <laughs> but uh, I was sitting with Alan one night, and we were in downtown Colorado Springs. And we were hanging out, listening to some jazz, drinking a beer. This is before my NAM days. And uh, as we sat there, I was saying something about first century. And he's kind of like a twin brother from another mother. And he ended up saying something to me the, uh, along the lines of, you know, I used to think like that. And he goes, I think, because I said something about how awesome church planners are, how they're like, you know, the commandos, the secret weapon. And he goes, you know, I think we need to kind of be careful that we don't start thinking of ourselves as church planners, as like super Christians. And he, you know, and it was kind of one of those Holy Spirit moments where the Lord really, I think, exposed to me that I was starting to find my identity in being a church planter. And because it sounds great, sounds rock and roll. I mean, to those of us that are church planners, it sounds awesome. To everyone else, I think, it, oh, I'm sorry. But uh, that is such a, an important thing, not only to learn once, but I think to, to be reminded of on a daily basis. So, Shelly, I want to ask you what, I mean, unpack that a bit. How did that happen? You said with the help of your kids. Um, what, what did that actually look like for you? What was that process? Well, well, we're getting way off topic here, but when I um, had, <laughs> when, when I was having babies, it was, it became um, a status symbol. It became um, something I was getting attention for. And because I thrive on um, achievement, I realized, wow, when you have, you know, a toddler on each hand and, 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 and you're pregnant, you get a lot of attention, get even more attention when you have three toddlers and you're pregnant. And so I ended up having um, one more child than the most children in our church because I wanted to beat and, uh, you know, get, <laughs> get the most. And the Lord, and then, then I had a problem because I still didn't think I, li- I liked kids. I, uh, I grew up never w- wanting to babysit or take care of children. And, and so I was afraid of motherhood and the Lord um, used um, uh, a woman to say to me, are you um, over and over producing vine like the vine that needs to be pruned um, in, in the vineyard? The one that mm-hmm. bears the most grapes is overproducing. And if it keeps staying on the vine, it'll eventually suck the whole life out of the vine and the, and the whole vine will wither up and die. And she looked me square in the eye and she said, right now, Shelly, maybe your vine's only supposed to have five fruit. But someday your vine might bear fruit beyond your wildest imagination. But maybe right now it's only supposed to be five. And that led me on a journey of quitting everything I was involved in outside of my home and um, focusing my attention on my children and doing a year-long study on the 50 verses in scripture that say who we are in Christ. And um, out of that, experience, I developed a a way of teaching character to my children that turned into a book that I wrote later, and that turned into um, a a job at Saddleback Church where I was tasked with the role of developing the 40 Days of Purpose campaign. And um, talk about fruit beyond your wildest imagination. Uh, I sat here in in my home office when my kids were asleep creating all of the church training resources for no 40 Days of Purpose. And um, and that turned into the role that I have now with Zondervan, where I have created all the church training materials for the story and believe. And I travel the country and 
train church teams on how to implement these great Bible engagement programs to help their people understand the Bible better. And uh, so all of that was sourced in the act of obedience of becoming my children's mother. That is so cool because so many church planners, Shelley, I know we are off topic, but so many (laughs) church planners, their story, I was interviewing a church planning trainer yesterday and I was just chatting with him and I said, what's the best part for you about training planners? And he goes, well, he's been doing it for a few decades. He said, well, he goes, it's that point at which, you know, the church planner comes in with all these idealistic ideas of what it's going to be like to plan a church. And then there's that point at which none of it goes like that. And it's that breaking and it's that desperateness and that crying out to the Holy Spirit and him turning up and being who he said he was in the word. But he goes watching that process in church planners is so huge. And so even though it seems like a detour, I think this is kind of like in, in Ephesians 3, a Holy Spirit inspired detour. I think we're meant to be here because that is so powerful. And I think it's so important. Like, uh, I know you're not supposed to close off a story where someone goes, oh, I was taught it wasn't, you know, my identity wasn't in what I do to say, well, you're kind of a stud then. Cause I know <laughs> that, uh, I was in the UK at the time that that thing came out. And I got to tell you that campaign was hugely impactful in the UK. So, uh, thank you. I did not know you were sitting you were behind that sitting at your desk yeah, yeah. while your kids slept. But, you yeah. know, praise God for that. He had a plan. So mm-hmm. that is super cool. So, Shelly, I know what we wanted to talk about today, really, what you came on here. This is what we, hey, this is our boring podcast. We'll talk about anything boring. <laughs> but, but, but our, our, uh, really, this is the podcast has the best question at the end. So get ready for that. But, uh, the, the reality is that you've got an amazing, curriculum. I don't know if some call it uh, almost like a a Protestant catechism, um, which I know for some of our people are like, hey, that, that sounds kind of cool because a lot of our planners are very, very concerned with people knowing the gospel. And I think many of our people in our churches for years now have not really understood the gospel. Tell us about the story and what it is and how church planners can use it. Well, the story was originally a book of scriptures that was assembled by a couple of teams of people, one from the Livingstone Foundation and one from the Bibles Division at Zondervan, that was intended to create a book of of scriptures that would take away all of the threatening um, factors of the Bible that keep people from reading it. And um, so if you want to, you know, think about what are some of the things that, that are that put people off one would be the the length of the bible or the um or the genealogies or the 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 long names or uh for me it's like the book of leviticus and i when i get to heaven i'm going to ask god why did you put the book of leviticus at the beginning of the bible at least put it at the end so that we can get beyond the month of march when we're trying to read through the bible um so uh so it this book doesn't have all of that in it. It only has the storyline parts of the Bible. And the way that they're arranged is sequentially. And it just so happens that that's the way God arranged history, was chronologically. The reason that he laid out history chronologically, the way that the the sequence of events in the way that they occurred, is because he was building the case for the incarnation 
slowly, methodically, step by step, person by person, generation by generation, until we finally had built to a fever pitch from to where we said we have to have a savior. How can we possibly live in heaven in eternity for eternity with our father without a savior? And, um, and so in building this need over the generations for a savior, then finally Jesus comes, you know, we are kind of guilty in our traditions of, of approaching evangelism when, from the starting point of the incarnation. And when you start there, you haven't really helped people get why they needed Jesus. You can say, yeah, Jesus came and died and he loves you. And so you need to love him back. But those kinds of salvations, I th- I call them shallow salvations. These are people that have come to Christ out of an emotional place rather than a place of the of this deep-seated heart cry need for the Savior. So that's what the story does, is it is it assembles the scriptures of the storyline parts of God's agenda throughout history and puts them together sequentially and helps you to kind of grasp what God is up to um, in our, in history and in our lives. That's super cool. And so um, tell, tell our church planners about the different ways that it can be used, because I know it's like a 31-week curriculum. Are we talking small groups? Can it be a Sunday series that falls along Sunday school curriculum for children, for adults? I mean, how can this thing be used? Because I think if, if, uh, you know, planners are often bivocational. So having Mm -hmm. something kind of ready made like this, that can kind of be a one-stop shop is kind of a big deal. I mean, Mm -hmm. so my, my vision for church planters with the story is this, I love that the notion of of a church planter's taking his first six months to a year to kind of establish the mission vision values of the church and and that's that's all kind of been born out of out of what the Lord has laid on his heart for this for this new uh, body of Christ and then in year two perhaps you would do something like the story the story is actually um, the, the book has been built has had built on it an entire church experience for everybody from two-year-olds to 102-year-olds. And so it includes curriculum for 31 weeks to coincide with the 31 chapters of the book. The curriculum comes in this kit that costs $125, and that's what all you have to pay for the entire year's worth of curriculum to outfit every teaching department in your church. So you have something for two-year-olds, for preschool, early elementary, later elementary, uh, high school, and adults. And so um, all of those age groups have this 31 weeks of curriculum. That's basically seven months or a school year. And then you also have pastor's sermons. So now you've got a program that is Bible-centric, where you are taking everybody in the family through the same thing at the same time. The beauty of that for a church plant is think about who you've got in your church plant. You've got people that have never darkened the door of a church. You've got people that have grown up in some traditions where they um, have been hurt or jaded by the church. And then you have others who have been um, Christians for 40 years and they know think they know the Bible like the back of their hands. How are you going to assimilate this broad range of people and preach sermons that address the needs of so many varied uh, backgrounds. Well, that's why the story is so powerful and so beautiful, especially in a, in a 
in a church in a new church situation. Because what when you're reading through the scriptures in this fashion, the people that have been around the Bible their whole lives are discovering things on every page. Because this book removes all the biblical structures. So you're reading the pure text of the Bible without even maybe realizing where you are in the Bible. You might not know you're in the book of Isaiah. And so you're not going to put on your Isaiah hat and see this through your Isaiah glasses and, and look at the notes in your Isaiah chapters of the book. You're going to be seeing the passages in Isaiah with these fresh eyes because it's stripped down just to the story part. And the things that emerge from the pages of this book mm. are, are like a new discovery. So for, for like when I was reading through the story um, for the first time and even the second and third time, I would see, do things like, Oh my gosh, is it, it that old, that um, uh, prophet from the end of the old Testament was talking to that King from the beginning of the old mm -hmm. Testament. I never put those two guys together. Oh my gosh. Yes. Or, I'd be reading things, and there would be a turn of a phrase, and I would say, oh my, that is so not in my Bible. And so I'd look in the back of the book to see where I was in the Bible. I'd look up that passage of scripture in my in my Bible. I'd hold the two books side by side, look back and forth, and think, holy smoke, there it is in my Bible, word for word, just the way it says in the story. I never saw that before. So that kind of aha moment for an older Christian is a, a wonderful learning tool, and it helps them to feel like, oh, I have something to learn here too. And then, of course, for the new person, the person new to all of this, it's going to be accessible. You, If you were to give a traditional Bible to a new Christian or a seeker and say, start at page one, you'd kill them. Mm. They, you, you, we lose them, but so that's why we always say start at page twelve forty three. That's the book of John. Well, he, with with this book, you can do that. You can hand it to them, say start at page one, and they'll feel like they can't put it down. So now you've got everybody reading the same scriptures at the same time, and learn each of them learning things at their own level, and you've got your teachers oh. teaching things to everybody um, uh, in their in their teaching departments. Adult small groups um, are, are discussing it, and you've got your pastor preaching it. We provide pastors sermon tools, building blocks more so. We're not trying to tell the pastor what to say about each of these chapters because there's, in some cases, 200 years worth of history that you're covering in a single week. And so you can't possibly preach all of that. So you need to look at this as a Bible survey, but you're preaching the whole story of the whole Bible and teaching your people to do biblical interpretation um, using the whole Bible method of biblical interpretation. And so, um, and so we give the pastor kind of a have a get out of jail free card for for 31 weeks where he gets mm. to know what he's going to be talking about for 31 weeks and so he that <laughs> frees him up to um to do more leadership uh, and and assimilation and and and, and pastoral care of this yeah. new congregation instead of so much uh, sermon planning I think so and it you know it is a pack it comes with a lot of convenient resources I mean like you said you know you're you're the campaign builder you know you you've got all this but here's the deal guys look i don't get paid for this i don't it's not like you know zonervan approached me and said hey can you promote this this story here's some money so even though in some ways it seems like i'm promoting our podcast always is 
if this is going to help you guys, that's what we want to get in your hand. I met Shelly at Exponential at the booth there, and she was telling me about it. And I was like, you know what? This sounds good for church planners. And so here's the deal. I can remember when I planted my first church in Europe, um, I was sitting with one of our, there was a family of, of, I mean, it was all new converts. I mean, if you know the story, we started church in the Starbucks, but one of my neighbors came to faith and I can remember they were like, we want to know the Bible. Like we want to know it. And they were as unfamiliar with the Bible as you could possibly be. And I remember going, cool, I'll do a six part series. It's an overview of the Bible. The first night, and they they said to me, just make it really simple because we know nothing. So I boiled it down. At that time, I was lecturing Old Testament at a university. So I felt, okay, I've got a really good handle on the specifics. I can, that's going to help me do an overview. And I boiled it down. Um, but, but again, taking a lot of what you said where I was like, okay, this epoch of time, God did this and this and that. But what I did is I did an overview that night of where the Bible fit on the timeline. And that night I looked over at this couple and, and the wife's eyes were like glazed over. Like she looked (laughs) like she was, and I realized this still is too much. Mm -hmm. It's not simple enough because what I've done is I've in, I had the same interest as what you're saying, Shelly, where like, I want you guys to see how it fits but my approach was wrong. Whereas this tells them, look, you're going to get there, but we're going to walk you through how you're used to hearing stories, how you're used to getting there, which you just start at the beginning and then you walk through. And, and I love that that's, you've just approached it so simply. And so when you said earlier, think of your audience, my mind went to being in Wales with a completely biblically illiterate culture. Um, less than 1.6% uh, goes to church. It's now 1.3, uh, 0.3% evangelical, which is a third of a percent uh, evangelical in the country. So it's the Bible, you know. Um, so having something like this is is really cool. And I love the fact that the Sunday school, the small groups, the Sunday sermon that if you're planting and and particularly for, like you said, I see that at the beginning you're, if, if I were just to walk you church planners through for a second, I know this is Shelly's interview here, but if I'm going to walk you through, I, I agree with what she said during the core team, you're building those kind of mission, vision, all that values. But then at a certain point, I remember we dropped, um, uh, gospel centered life on our core team. And that was radical because I watched a guy do it. One of the planners I train and amazing. And so that's now a kit in my arsenal, but I could see this is something really that after you've run your church, this could be something for maybe the second year in where you've got a bunch of new believers, maybe even six months in, like Shelly said, um, and you're like, okay, now I got it. Now I got to start discipling them because what you'll find in churches is evangelism happens in waves. Um, this is what I've noticed with church planning. I'll have a wave of evangelism, a huge harvest, and then I'll have a time where I'm just discipling the crud out of those people. I don't stop evangelizing, but this is a tool. I could see this as a, it's 31 weeks. 
it's pretty much uh, just just over half a year. And boom, like you said, six months. You, you're basically uh, giving your people the basics in a way that they can understand the Bible. So that's huge, Shelley. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and that's something else that it does because it's story and because we learn best chronologically, we, we like beginning and beginning, middle, end, cause, effect. Um, it, it does appeal to the way that people learn best and process best, but it also keeps them coming. Um, story uh, makes people want to know what happens next. And so church churches that have done this story have found that in some cases their attendance is increasing. Um, and in most cases their, their attendance is getting more regular. So instead of people coming once a month or twice a month and calling that regular, they're coming three or four times a month uh, because they want to know what comes next. So that's a kind of an interesting um, side effect of, yeah. of doing something like this. Most definitely. Well, we have a, a question that we like to ask, Shelly. This has been awesome. This is the story. Um, when when can they get a hold of it? Where can they get a hold of it? Or how can they even talk to you? Because you sound like you're someone who knows stuff about stuff. <laughs> I love to talk to pastors about this. And um, that's my my job is is basically to coach pastors either over the phone or Skype or in person. And so absolutely, I would love to do that. So. Um, my it, probably the, the easiest uh, thing to do is to give you out my email address, uh, which is Shelley S H E L L E Y dot Leith L E I T H at HarperCollins.com. And so I would love to to uh, connect with anybody that wants to know more about this. Um, we also have a couple of websites. We have thestory.com and we have believethestory.com, which is all about the follow-up to the story, which could be year three of your church plant on Believe, which is a theological program that takes people through a 30-week systematic theology, um, what we believe and why it matters. That's awesome. Okay, well, guys, our guest has been Shelly Leaf, and she's been representing the story today. But Shelly, before we let you go, we like to ask a question of every guest that comes on here. And uh, it's not often that we have um, female contenders on here, uh, although we should have a lot more. Um, But uh, this is normally a male-centric question that that gets asked. But uh, And so I have What's that? You're scaring me now. You should be very afraid. And here's the question, <laughs> because I almost feel bad. I had to preface it that way, because I almost feel bad asking. Okay, just go. If go you on. were to get into a physical fist fight with Jin Hatmaker, who would win? <laughs> well, I don't do fist fights. I just poke people's eyes out. So <laughs> I, I'd probably win. <laughs> That is awesome. So, so you would you would do some eye gouging? Eye gouging, yeah, that's my strategy. So, if we're in the boxing ring, that's a no go. Like they expressly, <laughs> fight, but this is a street fight. You and Jen are ready to rumble, and you are going for the eyes. I dig it, yeah, man. Shelly, new respect for you. Hey, you came <laughs> off as this, you know, very competent woman who, you know, just. You know, while, the, while taking time off while the kids are sleeping, you know, lays, you know, cranks out, you know, 40 days of purpose campaigns. <laughs> but uh, you are a, you know, hey, on the street, man, watch out. <laughs> All right. I'm saying. 
All right. So, hey, guys, again, this has been Shelly Leith. This has been Hardcore Church Planting. And Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planting has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.